Hello and welcome to Working People's Art, or WPA. Each episode will feature an interview of an artist who, along with their production of their creative work, also works various jobs, showcasing their artistic work and their personal story while exploring and reconstructing conventional ideas of who an artist is, public representation of their work, and the motivation to create. Thank you for joining us today with Working People's Art. Today we have Siona Abnusmasi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and where are you from? I'm from Iran, but I'm Armenian. So mm-hmm. over there we are a minority group. So we immigrated here as refugees nine years ago mm-hmm. because of all the hardships that we had there as a minority group with a different religion. Mm. And how did you pick up, where did you pick up English from? I grew up, fortunately I grew up in a family that really liked to learn different languages, Mm -hmm. Western languages especially, and my aunt was an English teacher. Mm -hmm. When I was small she taught me some English, but then when I grew up I started listening to English songs. I watched English movies from America, especially, and I learned a lot through those ways. Mm-hmm. And then I went to English classes to learn more, especially the grammar and vocabulary, but I wasn't very fluent in speaking. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I went to college and I had to take classes uh, for English as a second language to learn more English and be able to speak better. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you arrived? I was 21. 21? Yes. Did you come straight to California? Uh, Well, before we came to the U.S., we had to go to Austria and we Mm -hmm. stayed there for five months. So the Homeland Security would accept us as refugees. Hmm. And then, yes, we straight moved to Los Angeles, California. Hmm. Did they? Did you have a choice on the matter or did they just assign you California? We had to have sponsors here that would tell that they will help us to settle down here. Mm-hmm. So ours were in California, in Los Angeles. Most Armenians move here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. That's why we had relatives here who have did you know your sponsor or was it an organization? Yes, you can go through an organization. Actually, we did, but mm-hmm. then the sponsor was our relative, so it was easier. Oh, wow. So what art mediums do you work in? I work in a lot of different mediums. I like to use mixed media mm-hmm. a lot, but my favorite is watercolor because I, it's the first medium that my mom bought me when I was small and also markers I still use them as my favorite mediums I love watercolor because it's very fluid and I really Mm. can't have control over it most of the times Mm -hmm. so it enhances the sense of abstract uh, side of my artworks that's Mm -hmm. why I really prefer watercolor over oil but I have oil paintings. I don't really enjoy working with oil because it takes too much time mm. to dry. Yes, the dreaded timing of drying of oils. Yes. <laughs> what tracks you to abstract art? Like, what's the appeal for you? Um, 
I really didn't enjoy abstract art Ooh. before. Yes. But then after going to school to learn more about artworks, art world actually, I started to love abstract art because for a lot of people it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I I learned that to understand abstract art you need to not understand it Hmm. you need to open yourself up to the abstract art through your feelings you need to Hmm. feel it because as human beings we need to make sense of everything through logic but abstract art is against that (laughs) it's like postmodernity they deconstruct knowledge as we Mm -hmm. know and the logic as we know so it's all feelings that's why I tried to start exploring that and I really, really enjoy it now because my works are about my feelings and my dreams, not what makes sense in the out- outer world or the real world, as we say. That's just oh, so amazing. I, I think it's so eloquent of you to explain it that way because i think a lot of people feel it that work with abstract art so far with our past guests they feel it but i don't think they were able to fully verbalize it because it's a feeling what was your first exposure to art what was your um what led you into this i was a cave child so (laughs) i started drawing on the walls at home when i was very small so that was my first exposure, I think. But then my mom started buying me coloring books. Ooh. So I started by coloring books and then um, she bought me markers and watercolors. So then I started using those. But I still feel that my works have the sense of watercolor books mm-hmm. because of the lines and... Um, shapes that are colored Mm -hmm. forms that are very color book-esque i guess Hmm. yes i could see that with and i've been criticized a lot for night at school but criticized for what i think um well art school is very very weird because you feel like at art school you are free Hmm. and you can explore a lot but actually no most of the teachers have their own rules in Mm -hmm. art world so i had a teacher who told me that it's better for me to stop creating art and start writing and because mine were like very um childish kind of even that i don't use my mediums in a masterful way Mm -hmm. which i don't think it's true in a in our era we are living in contemporary era Mm -hmm. after the postmodernism and it we are not living in classic era that you have to use mediums in certain ways Mm -hmm. but again at art school it's the same they want you to be like to copy classic masters but I can never be Rembrandt because (laughs) I don't enjoy doing that Rembrandt probably enjoyed doing what he did but I don't Mm -hmm. I think it's important to enjoy what you do and not let other people push you in the direction they feel is appropriate 
and with your craft it's very neat like I was looking at the borders right now and everything's so crisp do you put like painters tape or something on it to keep it like that yes I put tape and I love doing that because I called my works postcards from dreamscape oh I love that and um, I do that to give it a feeling of postcard mm-hmm so they're very small scale, three by five inch or five by five inch. They're very small and I do that to make to create this feeling that they are a souvenir from uh, my dreams or my mind, whatever goes on up there. I like the scale you work in because I feel like oftentimes schools will push artists to work big. Like it's yes. always go big, go home. But with your scale, you were saying that a professor encouraged you to work on this type of scale? Yes. Uh, so I did a couple of murals too, and I really enjoyed it. But I prefer to work on a small scale because it's more intimate. Mm-hmm. And I would love that the viewers pick up and touch my artworks because it creates a more a more sense of intimacy than just looking at the artwork but again I love um, bigger larger scale artworks Mm -hmm. those are intimate too in their own way Mm -hmm. I started these as like sketches Hmm. I never thought that I would create small scale artwork Hmm. Um, because during that time I was taking this drawing class and we had the project of making art for using watercolor. Yeah. So after I did, I was finished with my work, I had some scraps of watercolor paper and I just cut them in small mm-hmm. rectangulars and mm-hmm. started to just use whatever remained on my palette to create small scale artworks just for myself. It was like a side project. And then um, my teacher told me, why don't I explore it even more? Because we had a theme during that. Each one of us had a theme during that class. And mine was about my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I started working on that as a side project. And I didn't really show this to anyone. But then another teacher at my side, and he said, you should stop using oil. You should just work on this. It really discouraged me. (laughs) But then (laughs) I said, okay, I'll work on these more than my oil Mm. paintings. Yeah. And then you've worked with water ever since, pretty much? Watercolor, yes. And ink, markers, Mm. pens, pencils. I love mixed media. I even uh, make my own collages. The sources are not outside sources. I make the sources myself. Mm -hmm and to give it more originality i guess what made you tie the medium together with thread Mm, i started using glue at first for the collages but then i thought if i use thread maybe it gives it a more texture and another dimension Mm -hmm. or it can make create a different meaning for the viewer Mm -hmm. for me it kind of is like bonding or mm-hmm. a sense of being imprisoned mm. but for everyone is different this is true 
Do you feel that dreams are intimate or something that should be shared or combination? Um, it takes courage to share your dreams because it's your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. It's the remains or after shock, as, the, as I call them, of whatever you absorb during the day. And it pops up in your mind when you're asleep in different ways. Mm -hmm. So sharing them was difficult for me. I was scared at first, mm. but now I'm more comfortable mm. with doing that. Is there anything that was brought you to be more comfortable with it that you could give advice to somebody sharing their intimate work like this? Um, sharing your experiences gives courage to the others. This is true. And as a woman artist, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to face the fears and face the judgment of your peers, mm -hmm. especially men in the art world. And, but I think we all should take steps of sharing whatever we feel. Because nowadays, I feel like our societies are more about the inv individual and mm -hmm. being narcissist and only think about yourself. But mm -hmm. being vulnerable, it takes more courage than just being closed off and not share whatever you feel and that's really true i think that's what they do for when you're in school and they do critiques because they want you to get into that vulnerable space even though it's still very individualistic do you have um your colors are really soft and dreamy do you use like any type of hard color theory or is it all intuitive no i don't use any color theory i think uh, in my opinion, the colors you see in the nature are very, very random. Mm -hmm. But again, they have harmony. So I choose my colors very randomly. And I was criticized a lot for that, but then I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you do have harmony. There's, I think that's what's unique about your works is that there's color coordinations that I wouldn't necessarily, if I was thinking about color theory, would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to put these together. But they are so harmonious together that I can never imagine them any other way. And I wanted to read a quote from Kandinsky and see if, whether you agree with it, how do you feel about it. And the quote is, of all the arts, abstract painting is the most difficult. It demands that you know how to draw well, that you have a heightened sensitivity for composition and for color and that you are a true poet. The, this last is essential. Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, ooh, deep. The thing is, <laughs> I don't consider myself as like a full-fledged <laughs> artist or hmm. uh, I don't consider myself thinking that I know abstract art well or mm -hmm. I know art world well. I don't, I need to learn a lot even more but I agree with him mm. that again it goes back to what I said that you need to feel mm -hmm. the abstract art mm -hmm. like a child mm -hmm. not like a grown-up person yes that's what Picasso was always trying to get at but I, yes. I don't know if he ever do you think he ever succeeded I don't think so I don't think so either we personally. never can because <laughs> we have to be children it's true. 
Hmm. And the school doesn't let us to be children. No, unfortunately, the way that we're we're so taught up to to hit an end goal and forfeit a lot. Yes, the language mm-hmm. um, it constructs our minds in a way that everything has to make sense mm-hmm. in a certain way. Why do you think that art schooling can be limited? Why do you think that they want to open up an environment of creativity, but oftentimes they lead to specific examples? I think the whole institution system is wrong. Hmm. And I don't like that in art school, at least the ones that I went to, the um, students weren't competitive. I had a couple of teachers that were very open-minded and also one of them helped me to do a performance art that no one would let me to do at school. Hmm. But then the students love to have rules and just are there for the grade and for the degree. Interesting. Most of the people aren't there to learn and explore, unfortunately. So with people coming in with their own hardline expectations of what schooling should be how their art should be that that's the stifling part it's not necessarily the curriculum um i think both because i had teachers who were also very very close-minded and they wanted us to keep everything to the guidelines and the rules Mm -hmm. but then if there was a teacher who was very open-minded. Mm-hmm. The students didn't really like it. They were lost. They didn't know how to explore mm-hmm. different ways of creating art. Mm-hmm. I think that comes across with um, with any art program is that people don't know what to work with when there's no boundaries. It's like, oh. Yes. And that's why we come up with curriculums to like kind of give them a focus, like draw this, talk about this. And it's like, okay, now I can do it. What advice would you give to people that are having trouble on working without boundaries don't be scared that's all I can say we all make mistakes and we need to learn from them mm-hmm. nothing's perfect in art world there is no high art or low <laughs> art this is true I feel like these labels get really tossed around like they're concrete and oftentimes they're not and I think that limits people. Yes, they do. What school did you go to? Uh, when I came here, I went to Glendale Community College to um, learn English first and then take some general education classes to be able to transfer to university. Mm-hmm. And then I transferred to California State University, Los Angeles. Oh, my alma mater. So, hey. <laughs> Tell me about your experience about performance art. I love performance art. And when I was small at school, we did some plays. I always wanted to be included in those. I'm mm-hmm. not really a shy person. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I had this sculpture teacher. He was amazing. Hmm. And I had this idea of doing a performance art regarding the stoning of women Ooh. in Middle East, especially Ooh, yeah. for things like infidelity mm-hmm. or even having a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So I had this idea and I shared it with him. And he said, why don't I work on it the whole semester? 
So I made sculptures, figures that were like ghosts or wraiths, and then um, using plaster and wood. And I'm because over there in Islamic uh, culture, mm-hmm. so when they want to bury someone, they uh, put them in white cloth, mm-hmm. and so. I made this white gown mm-hmm. for myself. Also, I made rocks out of clay mm. and covered them in plaster. So my performance was that I distributed the uh, rocks among the students in the mm-hmm. class. And I gave them a choice that you can throw them at me or not. Ooh. But then what I asked one of my friends to start throwing at me. And my teacher even did that. Because I like to include the viewers as participants in the performance. So they will be the performers too. Mm -hmm. And when my uh, friends started throwing the stones, it was interesting that the others started doing that because they thought they should do that. Oh, you do. Such an interesting it was, social it experience. It was very scary for me oh. and for them too because after that they were kind of accusing me that why did you make us do that? And I said, I give you a choice. <laughs> you didn't have to do it. But then they were very moved and I was really scared too because I kind of experienced what does women go through yeah. when they go through that whole stoning. And mine was very... I liked this experience because over there they bury the the women up to their necks and they throw stones only to their heads. Uh. They really want to kill them. Uh. So I want to do more performance art regarding uh, especially women's issue over Mm -hmm. there. I think that's a real way to get your audience involved in that because it's so in the states were so removed from us and also to give kind of this gray space and how people you know joined in and how easy it is for people to to follow each other yeah yes and think that well if the other person is throwing i should do that too i guess i guess (laughs) guess i'll do this too but yeah i think it's really interesting because i think a lot of people say well i would never do that that's uh, how could you do that but then you get into the motion of it I, I think that's really... Did you do that at Cal State LA? Yes. Uh, my That sculpture teacher is amazing. He's a rock star. I think I know who it might be because I did take some sculpture classes. Richard. Right? Yeah. He's so amazing. It's just like, <laughs> uh, everyone that takes him is like, yes. Yes. Inspiring all the things. What kind of limitations did you run into as both an artist and a person? Ooh, a lot. Oh. <laughs> Being a woman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this world means that you're going to suffer a lot. Yeah. Especially when I where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because first of all, I was a woman. And then I belonged to a minority group with a different religion. Mm-hmm. So I was the lowest of low classes. Mm. over there um i'm not against hijab Mm -hmm. you can cover yourself from head to toe and i don't care Mm -hmm. but if someone forces me to wear something that i don't like 
Mm-hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. So one of the limits was that when you're very small, you have friends that are boys mm-hmm. and you play with them. But then suddenly you have to go to school and cover yourself up because they teach you that the same boys are going to hurt you because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. So it was the first thing that was very limiting I had a lot of different traumas during my childhood I'm a survivor of child molestation Mm. and rape Mm. and I try to include them in my artworks Mm. you can maybe see them in the titles that I give to my artworks because Mm. I first started doing these small-scale ones based on my traumas, the feelings that I get, the dreams that I still have after years Mm -hmm. of those experiences. Mm -hmm. I went to therapists, but when you're scarred inside, when your soul is scarred, it will remain Mm -hmm. forever, maybe after even you die. Mm because everything has consequences and their effect our our subconscious mind more than our physical body mm-hmm. our conscious mind mm-hmm. those were some of the hardships that i had but then we had to move here and it was a very different culture mm-hmm. i had to learn a lot i'm still learning about the culture here mm-hmm. but i'm free kind of now to explore more mm. still the art world is for men unfortunately and we have lots of work and fights to do for ourselves to be able to recognize as artists and be included in art history books indeed it's still a lot to do <laughs> <laughs> why do you think that men dominate the art world why is the art world much more available to men Well, from the beginning of the history of art, (laughs) if we go back, it's because of the culture, uh, especially the Western culture and also the Eastern one. So men had more free time to go and explore the world Mm -hmm. and uh, explore what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I give you an example, like Dutch painters. Mm -hmm. Like Rembrandt. (laughs) Speaking of Rembrandt. (laughs) (laughs) So if he had children, he wouldn't stay at home and take care of them. Even if his wife wanted to create art, she wouldn't have as much time because she had to take care of the children, the household and everything. But then he could wake up in the morning, go to the studio, and he probably had several assistants Mm -hmm. to help him. Yeah, he did. And then... He could go back home and sleep. <laughs> so it started that like that. But then we had some women artists too, but mm-hmm. they were probably from rich families. If you're fr- if you were from a poor family, you couldn't buy any pigments or any supplies to create artwork. Mm-hmm. So it started from there. And then the cultural construct of men and women's role mm-hmm. in the society still remains. 
And even now at schools and in the society, if you're a man and produce artwork, it kind of is like we have that we have this uh, image of an artist in our mind. Even I do. When they say name of an, name an artist, Picasso pops into my mind, mm-hmm. or Jackson Pollock. Mm-hmm. They're men, and this image of a male artist with dirty clothes that are splattered with paint, <laughs> and they're poor, <laughs> and maybe always drunk or high. We have this image of artists in our minds, but then that's not true. Um, actually, if you go to art schools, you will see that there are more women students than men. Mm-hmm. But still, men stand out because they have more self-confidence. Mm. They think that they can be recognized more. Mm. We have to always strive to find new ways of creating artwork. Mm-hmm. But even if they do the same thing over and over again, they still can be called like um, masters. Mm. A lot of women artists... I would say Georgia O'Keeffe got famous because of her husband. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. I'm not saying she wasn't a great artist, mm-hmm. but maybe she would have more difficulty if her husband wasn't a famous artist himself. Hmm. That's an interesting point because a lot of people give that that reasoning for Frida Kahlo. Because yes. there was a lot of other women during that time period that were making art. And but everyone have you support. heard their names? No, no, I wouldn't even be able to list off on Sadly. But because, you know, yeah, I think that's a they really didn't interesting point. They did marry Rivera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't marry Rivera. <laughs> it's so sad. That is really sad. Damn, I didn't think of it. <laughs> now it's like, oh. So normally you do like abstract figures and colors. But when you do figurative, what drives you to do a figurative work? Like in Crybaby, it's a portrait of a woman crying. Or Let's Play, it's a woman floating. Um... I don't think my figures have gender. I try to Ooh. not give them gender. I but if you see that. a woman, you see a woman, huh? Someone else might see a man hmm. or none. Hmm. I don't like to give them any gender, but uh, Egon Schiele um, influenced, influenced me a lot for my figures because I love contour drawing and contour lines. Hmm. I love to play with the quality of the line mm-hmm. so I started doing this randomly again I never really thought of doing this my figures always cry because I deal with depression mm-hmm. and I want to show that crying is not a bad thing being vulnerable Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing for both genders Mm -hmm. it means that you are overflowing with emotions and crying is there for you to relieve those emotions and purify yourself your mind because it's water and water takes away the dirt Mm. it will take away the dirt of your mind or whatever is hurting you it's very healing it is really healing. It's almost poetic that you're using watercolors because it's like a healing. Yes. That kind of ties into this Victor Hugo quote of um, 
those who do not weep do not see. And I think with your work being so empathetic and giving of yourself, of your your heart and feelings, that really ties into it. What artists have are inspiration to you? I think all of them. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> but my inspirations don't really come from artists. I, I think as artists, we are all of us are influenced by everything that goes around us mm -hmm. even if you go grocery shopping there are all colors racks and racks of colors around you that influence you subconsciously not directly maybe but indirectly also movies books and all those things influence me mm -hmm. <laughs> um I love science fiction and fantasy books Ooh. a lot. So uh, especially weird fiction or speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. I think those influence me more than artists. But I love Mark Rothko. I love Kandinsky. I love Egon Schiele. Mm -hmm. uh, Gustav Klimt. Who else? Jackson Pollock. I think Georgia O'Keeffe really... Because if you look at the colors that she chose mm -hmm. um, and the way she portrayed intimacy and female figure mm -hmm. is very different from what men really it's true. depict mm -hmm. in their works. Yeah, what do you, do you think there's a, the Georgia O'Keeffe portrayed women differently than men? As far as like depictions? Because I'm not talking about all male artists. Mm -hmm. No offense to anyone. But the female figure has been ob objectified during the whole art history mm -hmm. and history of mankind. Mm -hmm. So, but we women see ourselves different mm -hmm. than what most men see us the female figure has been objectified as a sexual yeah attraction even for a for i don't know since the beginning of time maybe not really mm. but then after <laughs> like even during renaissance so men would um paint female figures but then the rich people would buy them and cover them in with curtains <laughs> and they would the men would do that and they put them they would put them in their rooms and when they they wanted to they would just push away the curtain and pull away the curtain and look at them it was like a porn yeah. during that time so but Giorgio O'Keefe portrayed the female figure and the femininity in a way that she felt probably about herself, mm -hmm. not as an object. Hmm. Can you describe your work, um, particularly this piece called The Shadow of the Sun, which is featured? Yes. So um, I started randomly, like I always do, just I put whatever color is in my palette on paper. And then I drew a line 
And I just put a blob of blue paint over there. <laughs> but I'm telling you the truth. There's nothing behind it. <laughs> but then um, the collage part mm-hmm. is a technique that I came up with. It's actually um, acrylic paint that has been dried on oil Ooh. paper. And because it's acrylic, it you can separate it from the oil paper. And I cut it and I paste it as a collage to the paper. Dude. So it's basically pigment, a plastic pigment on paper. In your work, what is the relationship between form and color? Mm. We'll talk about the... Um, the shadow one again okay in that i started because these are very distorted shapes and forms in this particular work Mm -hmm. but i started using circular or what i call the moons in my works i see a lot of moons in my dreams Mm. especially red ones Mm. and i think well moon has been the goddess forever in the different cultures and the goddess who shows you the path when it's very dark especially in your life and also it represents the the phases of the moon represents the the feminine aspects of our lives mm. and the phases in the a woman's life the phases of in the, the month that we go through and I I have a work that I call that every, I think every phase ends in red, which I kind of, I was playing with the idea of menstruation Mm -hmm. for women and the cycle. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, called every cycle ends in red. So for me, the red moon and that particular form is the feminine part of me. Mm that is always in my dreams hmm. and I don't know why but I've always been fascinated with moons hmm. and I wish we had more than one but <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't really use other forms if I do they're very random and I don't really think about it randomness and chance is a huge part of my work you've already stated that your work states your dreams, but is there any part of your physicality that's depicted or in there? Um, actually, it's not mine. Hmm. It's my mom's. Ooh. The distortion comes from my mom mm-hmm. because my mom was diagnosed with cancer, breast mm-hmm. cancer. Right. And she had a mastectomy done to her left breast and I was the first person who saw her Mm -hmm. like it was very distorted the body the distortion of body was always fascinating for me Mm -hmm. how can it be not perfect but it's always perfect Mm -hmm. even in distorted way so that scar always it's in my (laughs) I think it subconsciously affects my works. I really don't think about myself. I still need to learn how to love myself as I am. Mm. But 
my mom is a huge part of my life, so I think her struggle is always there in my works. Mm-hmm. The stitches, the distorted shapes, everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting because I think all women carry a sense of their mothers like we are all mothers yeah (laughs) (laughs) we have this nurturing side to ourselves that we have to take care of something Mm -hmm. or someone Mm -hmm. create things Mm -hmm. so with your production of your work do you go out and sell your pieces um no (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't have the confidence to I don't feel like anyone would buy them, but mm. if anyone is interested, I would sell my works. I would buy your works. I mean, you gave one to Barney, right? Barney was like, yeah. I just, uh, well, this is, if you're an artist, I will trade my works with yours, mm-hmm. but I don't like to sell my works to artists because we mm. all struggle. Well, if somebody wants to support your work or see it, where would they go? I only have an Instagram account. I also have a Tumblr account, but I post my thoughts and okay, uh, whatever comes up to my mind over there. Mm-hmm. Or what do you do with your Tumblr? Well, um, I started the Tumblr because I met this amazing artist. His name is Mark Bradford. Huh. He's a very famous contemporary artist. Mm-hmm. And... He told us that we have to write down or record what we think whenever we are inspired. Mm-hmm. So I thought I can just write my random thoughts and whatever I feel like on Tumblr. I'll be glad to just chat or, I don't know, talk about my thoughts or whatever I feel on Tumblr with like strangers, random people, my friends. Mm-hmm. But I think... It's a good way for me to explore what I think at the moment and mm-hmm. then go back and maybe work on it even more. Ooh. Have you written pieces on Tumblr and then painted or created after that? Yes. Hmm. I did. And what is your Instagram account? It's called C-C-C-O-N-A, S-I-S-I-S-I-O-N-A. Thank you. You can call me C-C. Nice. And then the Tumblr address is the same. Yes. I'm not very creative with names. <laughs> it, says from, <laughs> it says from all this beautiful work displayed here. Well, I come up with the names very randomly, too. Mm-hmm. I just no, but call I dig them it. whatever I feel like at the moment. I think that's cool because um, since we're so going back to like thinking that everything has to make sense since we're so verbal and linguistic about things that by labeling stuff kind of if you take it in a more softer light it gives it it kind of goes with the art that it kind of pushes the power dynamic Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't worry about it the thing is it has to make sense to the viewers not everyone is very open Mm -hmm. so i try to come up with names that are vague but also Mm. make sense at the same time Mm. and i think because i I'm not an English speaker. Mm-hmm. I can use the English words more randomly than someone who knows English as her, as their mother tongue. Hmm. Would you ever name 
any pieces in your your mother tongue? I think I had a piece called Majnun. Majnun is far is a Farsi word. Hmm. Uh, it's my second language actually. It's my second mother tongue. I mm-hmm. always say. Majnun means someone who went insane from love. Hmm. I don't know if there's any word for that in English. No, not a singular term per se. Phrases, but not a singular, I think. So what did the image look like for this? I did this oil painting for my ex-boyfriend. Ah. <laughs> I don't have a picture of it. <laughs> and I don't know what he did with that, but mm. it was a portrait of, again, a distorted person mm-hmm. who was crying, but she had a frown and it was like for me at the time it was like she was forced to love but Mm -hmm. then she also loved Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she wanted to love Mm -hmm. it was my own uh, experience at the moment Mm. what advice would you give to people that are to not absorb other factors in life don't be an empath (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you can't do that you just need to learn to filter every feeling that you have mm. to keep what makes you feel better about yourself and happy mm-hmm. and whatever makes you feel insecure or makes you unhappy just throw it away mm. that's pretty to the universe mm-hmm. are your postcards like Sending that out to the universe, like, here, this is this emotion. I I don't know, Mm. actually. I just want to... I want to phrase it in a way that makes sense. My works are, I think, tea after thoughts of what I observe during the day mm-hmm. or the consequences consequences of what I felt and experienced during the day or that moment even mm-hmm. it's not really that I'm putting my feelings out there it's the um, after effect of feelings mm. Thank you for for giving so much of yourself to us and the audience and for producing this work. Thank you for inviting me for this awesome podcast. Yeah. Everyone listen to it and yeah. follow me. <laughs> Thank you. You were listening to Siona being interviewed by myself, Sonia Baragan. Follow and support her work on Instagram at ccona. The link will be in the description and her Tumblr account will be attached to her Instagram. Today's episode was directed by Michael Choi. And thank you for tuning in with us. Don't forget to check out our website at workingpeoplesart.org and leave a comment, please. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>